the the funny thing is we are all establishing boundaries all the time. We just may not be establishing ones that are really effective. And if we feel uncomfortable, that means we're uncomfortable with the boundary that we have established. It's not working. So I think it's kind of interesting when people are like, oh, it just feels so awkward to set boundaries. And I'm like, well, you're feeling awkward with the boundary you've actually already set. easier if we figure it out together. Welcome to The Lisa Show. Are you good at setting boundaries? Do you know what a good boundary looks like? Well, I think you can feel when a boundary has been crossed, and that's a good place to start. I think that you feel overwhelmed or resentful or upset, or you just sort of feel off. So a few years ago, I had a friend who every interaction that we had, every conversation left me feeling really uncomfortable. I always felt like I shared too much. I I was too revealing in my emotions. (laughs) And I felt like it wasn't reciprocated. So I felt like I had just sort of bared my soul and it hadn't been returned. It was more of an interview than like a real conversation bringing us closer together. And I found myself avoiding this friend and and being really critical of her and feeling really resentful. But I wasn't exactly sure why, because it hadn't been so so clear, so cut and dry. So a few years ago, I realized that and I thought, this is my boundary. I will be vulnerable. I will be real and raw with someone if it is reciprocated, if we have that friendship. And I think I had been a little bit too casual with it. So moving forward, when I saw that friend, when we had conversations, I would be, of course, honest and forthright and have a good interaction, but never go really deep. Because for whatever reason, and honestly, the reasons don't really matter, it wasn't reciprocated. And so I felt like in keeping that boundary, I was being true to myself and still being honest and still being authentic. Do we have a different kind of friendship and relationship than I have with my other friends? Absolutely. Does that make it less valuable? No, it's just a different kind of relationship. So in establishing boundaries in that way, it ended up being a really great benefit to me because I was still able to maintain a relationship and protect myself at the same time. So boundaries can be used in different ways, but I was surprised by this experience that I hadn't realized it a little bit early. And we can have boundaries in all of our relationships, right? It's not just our friendships, but it's also with our family, with our with our partners, um, at work, or even society at large. We get to decide what our boundaries are, and we also get to learn what other people's boundaries are, what they feel safe and comfortable doing, and, and, and negotiating this is a part of living life, whether we acknowledge it or not. So what can we learn about boundaries from an extreme strain on a relationship? I'm here with Jessica Frew of the Husband-in-Law podcast. Jessica, what does your situation look like? 
So I host a podcast with my husband, Matt, and my ex-husband, Steve. My ex-husband is gay um, and lives with his boyfriend. And my husband and I are active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So it kind of creates an interesting dynamic there. Um, And in our podcast, we share, you know, from when Steve and I met each other, when Matt and his ex-wife met each other, until where we are now with... um, co-parenting, divorce, marriage, coming out, religion, all of the things. (laughs) So many things. We talk about all the things. We don't shy away from those. And my family, my my immediate family, I very much consider Matt, my new husband, part of my, obviously, he's part of my family, but we have our nuclear family. I have a daughter that is 12 with my ex-husband, Steve. My husband, Matt, has two kids. So I have two stepkids who are 13 and 15. And then I very much consider my ex-husband still a part of my family. And now his boyfriend, um, who I just love and adore. And we, you know, do all of the things together. Like we do birthdays together and we hang out at our pool together and we have holidays together anytime that that works. It's not assumed. It's very much still a, those are the boundaries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's still very much an invite and coming together, but it is, you know, those are the people we want there. Whenever there's something going on, the first people that I invite are my family, but then Steve is always there. And I always say, Steve feels like my brother now, which is very weird because we share a child, but also it's not weird. (laughs) It's like the most natural, normal thing to us at this point. Well, and I'm I'm sure... and this is true of many things, until you go through that experience, Mm -hmm. until you have it, you really don't know how you're going to actually feel about it. And your story is quite unique in the sense that it doesn't seem to me just anecdotally, this is, you know, not based (laughs) on my scientific research, you know, my side hobby as a researcher, um, that, that that's the hardest part to like navigate in families when you're talking about what most people would see as two different families, Mm -hmm. you know, a a parent, a step-parent, you know, coming together and being able to have boundaries, having boundaries with your ex-husband and boundaries within your own marriage. Those are two different things. And it, it, it seems like you have good boundaries. How did you establish that? Or how did you get to this good place? Lots of trial and error. <laughs> really? I always tell people, I mean, our boundaries have changed drastically. Steve and I have been divorced for 10 years now, which seems crazy. And Matt and I have been remarried for eight and a half, so pretty quickly after that. Um, but those boundaries have evolved because the the more comfortable you get with somebody, you can kind of fill out new boundaries. But you, in the beginning, like Steve and I very much were protective of um, each other's feelings and emotions. And that Mm -hmm. required different boundaries at that point. Okay. So what did that look like? So, you know, respectful of the, the schedule, the custody agreement of what we worked out. We don't just show up at each other's houses. We don't switch the schedule at the last minute. We encourage our daughter to go to the other person's house, even when sometimes it's a little hard or they just want to stay at their, you know, in their bed or whatever, but supporting that relationship with the other parent. I think there's a lot of that trust and respect that needs to be put back in place after a divorce. And so there was there was that. Um, now we are much more flexible in that, but also there's a clear understanding that 
if we have an ask of, hey, can we change the schedule? Mm -hmm. In fact, I just got a text from Steve asking if we can change the schedule, that there's still that respect that if it doesn't get changed, it's okay. I can voice that Hmm. and it will be respected and honored of, okay, I, I understand that. Thank you for considering it. There's a lot of appreciation given to <laughs> But those boundaries have evolved. And I always, people think of boundaries as something that separates you from somebody else. Sure. That creates a divide. But really, boundaries bring people in because they help you know what is to be expected. It's a sign of love, respect, clarity uh, to have boundaries because then you know what is expected. And so that's really what they're for. I have boundaries with myself to show myself love of saying, hey, these are lines that you shouldn't cross and understanding that. So I think there's Hmm. understanding that helps you put those boundaries in place and not feel like a jerk when you put those boundaries in place. It's really to bring that person in. And so they do evolve and they don't always evolve, but ours have very much evolved. And the boundaries changed again after I married Matt. Of course, you know. Yeah, what was that negotiation? (laughs) Or I guess renegotiation. What was it like? There were some definite fumbles in that. Like Steve and I were used to, um, we'd go out to dinner occasionally to talk about, you know, Penny, our daughter, and to figure out where we're at and to support each other. We genuinely, genuinely still supported each other. And so those things changed. Like that wasn't respectful to my husband. Oh, your new husband just was say, like, hey, maybe I'm, you want to go to dinner yeah, with me. Yeah. <laughs> or we invite him to come or oh, okay. Steve took me out to breakfast one day for our anniversary after I had been remarried. And Matt's like, hey, it's fine. And it really didn't bother me that much, but maybe not. Like maybe this is something to consider. And Steve instantly was like, I am so sorry. Like didn't think about this when I wow. made the offer to Jessica. Um, it definitely was not appropriate. And at this point, Matt probably would not care at all. But just that that respect of the relationship and finding those dynamics. And it is so different for everyone. And I can say that because while Steve Mm -hmm. comes over for all of the things, we have a very different relationship with Matt's ex-wife where the boundaries look incredibly different and like pick up and drop off is done in the church parking lot. And we email through, that's the main form of communication and all those things. So I understand that this can't look Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes when you hear a story like yours, you think, oh, must be nice because my ex doesn't or, you know, whatever it is. And knowing that it's just so tricky, sometimes when people, I think, hear boundaries, they think, well, it doesn't work in my case. Yeah. And and so you're saying that you've seen it sort of on the other and whatever your level of comfort is in, in sort of sharing what is, yeah, establishing and renegotiating boundaries look like for someone who you don't have such a, a positive relationship with look like? Yeah. People are always like, would you, <laughs> the first thing I think of is they're like, would you have to tell them your new boundary, like this new thing that you yeah. realize you need? And I'm like, no. You do not have to. There are times when you might have to speak up for yourself or say, hey, I'm really not comfortable with this, but you don't have to say like, I put a boundary in place and I am no longer going to talk to you on the phone. Um, and sometimes that's court ordered, but... <laughs> right, right. And stick to that. Court ordered boundaries are a little though, bit easier to follow. Even if it is court ordered, people will still try Ooh. to push those boundaries, but still Ooh. just, you know, show up for yourself in that. If you know that... Things are going to be better for you, but also for your kids. If you stick to this boundary, 
give your kids that gift. It's not just a gift to yourself. It's also that the kids now know, okay, mom and dad are going to do pick up and drop off in the church parking lot. I'm mm-hmm. going to walk from one car to the other. There's other people there. There's not going to be a fight when we get out of the car. There's not going to be an argument. There's not going to be whatever. They know that. And so they get to feel that peace and calm because they know what to expect. Instead of thinking, is there going to be a blow up? Um, is you know, what's going to be brought up? Mm. Um, Is somebody going to get thrown under the bus? Instead, we can have, they know what to expect. So it's giving your kids that gift too. And it it definitely benefits you when you can put those in place. Well, it does seem like that it's easier to feel like you have a a strong family. Everybody's on the same page, Mm -hmm. whether it's it's hard or whether it's easy. It just, just doesn't matter. Yeah. Just kind of having that, that you know, knowledge is power yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I went through a mourning process of recognizing that my relationship with Matt's ex-wife is not going to look the way I hoped it would. I really hoped we'd yeah. be able to have a similar relationship that Steve and I have, um, but it's not something that's going to happen. And that's okay. I had to let that go and also realize that we still have a great family dynamic when we're able to follow these boundaries because we can be kind to each other and we can show support for each other and still encouraging the kids, you know, like, this is your mom's time. We we try to respect that. This is your dad's time. Hopefully that's respected as well. And they get to see that mutual respect. And have you ever bumped up into an uncomfortable renegotiation of boundaries with kids? Because kids don't often have, you know, if they feel like they don't have a choice in it, but they also don't have the life experience to to recognize yet, you know, how yeah. helpful that can be. And if they don't understand it, how do they react? How have you negotiated that? So I feel like, again, you know, in the beginning, they're they're little. Our kids were very little uh-huh. when we got married. And so they we wanted to teach them that respect and trust. And so we very much stuck to schedules and timing and all of those things as much as we could. Now, as they've gotten older into teenage years, I think it's also important to show them that they can trust themselves of mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm not feeling great about this situation at whoever's house. Um, Could we maybe talk about switching some things? And so giving them that voice as well, I think is hugely important so that they can start learning how to set their own boundaries, whether, you know, the issue is with new partners or with step, like step siblings or a step parent, like being open to listening to that so that the kids can start learning how to set their own boundaries as well and learn how to trust themselves. That's such great advice because I think that it seems so like isolating, I think, mm-hmm. as a parent because every situation is so different, every dynamic. So different. And then you introduce more people into mm-hmm. the family and into your kids' lives. I, I imagine that there is this want to sort of con- use boundaries as a way to control. And, and I'm wondering if, if you've ever experienced that and how you have used that to do what's in the best interest of your kids. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, I got really hung up because there's so much out of my control as a step parent that I really got focused on maybe not boundaries with the other parent or the other house, but really things that happened in our home. Mm. And so I tried to force things. I'm like, well, this is what should happen. This is how it should look. This is what our family should be. And realizing that that was driving a divide between me and my stepkids, between my husband and I, between me and his ex-wife and all of the things. Help me understand what specifically you're talking about. So like trying to enforce things that like looked 
<laughs> so like when kids go to bed or oh, okay, manners sure. or mm-hmm. like basic this things. This is what we that, do in this family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. realizing that, you know what, these kids already have enough that they're processing going back and forth between houses that maybe I don't need to push the manners right now, which is really hard as a mother to let go of or hygiene things that aren't getting and and realizing that they have a parent that's going to do that. If their parent doesn't care, I can't care, which like still like makes I me can cringe. Hear the, it, I can't care. And your and voice. I've, I've gotten really good at it, but it's still hard to then set that, honestly, that boundary with myself yeah. of saying, hey, this isn't helping anybody. It's really not helping me. So how do I put that in place of catching myself saying, okay, I'm not going to say these things at dinner. I'm going to have a good conversation. And it took a long time. A lot of just sitting there biting my tongue through dinners and different things. You know, you can hide (laughs) in some cases who you are to some people, not your Mm -hmm. family. No. Not in your home. Like it's all bets are off. Kids see everything. And so they see the best and the worst, but it's good that they see the struggle. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why I think your transparency is so great because you're not saying, oh yeah, it's so easy. But there are so many families, millions of families dealing with this very thing right now and trying to figure out how to negotiate and how to renegotiate and what these boundaries are. You know, I was talking earlier to my sister about how, like, you know, boundaries, and it became very clear to me early in our conversation that we both had a different definition Mm. of what boundaries was. And I'm just curious as to how you came to know about boundaries. It seems like we throw that term around a lot and just assume everyone in society is on the same page. I really don't think that that's, that's right. So no. what, what's your definition and, and how did you come to, to say, hey, this is actually going to make my life work? Yeah. So for me, boundaries are putting things in place that protect myself, my, my true self, my integrity, um, the things that bring me joy in life. And while it sounds like I'm just talking all about me, when I put those in place, I show up as my true self, which in turn allows the people around me to be able to show up as their true selves. It allows them to then say, well, okay, Jessica, you know, has done this thing and she's made it clear that she won't do this or that. I can do that too. And that is so powerful. I mean, that is where we get to find who we really are. And I have found that the more I do that, the more I am true to myself and honest with other people about that, which is a boundary. That's setting that boundary in place of I'm really not comfortable with this. And sometimes that looks like me walking away from a situation because I just can't even have the words to say it. And that's okay too. Um, And maybe revisiting it later or maybe not at all. But when I do that, I've seen people blossom around me and feel safe. And perfect example is my ex-husband who I knew for five and a half years of our marriage, actually probably longer than that, that he was gay. But he was not ready to come out. He was not ready to leave this life that he thought he was supposed to live. And so the more he knew I was okay in being myself within this dynamic that we had, the more he was able to love himself. And that continued throughout our divorce, that the more I could give myself space to be who I was and to love and support myself, the more he 
felt entitled and worthy of that as well. And he was able to blossom into who he is today, a totally different man than the one I married, but also the core of who he is is still there and the things I love about him are still there, but very, you know, a different side of him that he's been able to embrace and love. And so I think that for me is the beauty in this, that the power of boundaries and being true to yourself, it allows you, it gives you that gift but it then gives that gift to everybody that you meet because they get to see you being your true authentic self, standing up for yourself, and it gives them the power and courage and safety to be themselves as well. Having and creating boundaries can create a lot of really uncomfortable feelings that I think a lot of us just naturally want to avoid. And so I want to have a conversation with Reva Cook um, as part of the healing group. She's a licensed clinical social worker and has experience in talking to people about these kinds of uncomfortable feelings that come up when establishing boundaries. So when you have an uncomfortable, you know, conversation to have about establishing boundaries. I want to back it up first and just talk about the value of it. Like, what are the benefits of establishing boundaries? Like mental, mental, physical, emotional, like why should we even care? Good, good questions. The, the funny thing is we are all establishing boundaries all the time. We just may not be establishing ones that are really effective. And if we feel uncomfortable, that means we're uncomfortable with the boundary that we have established. It's not working. Mm. So I think it's kind of interesting when people are like, oh, it just feels so awkward to set boundaries. And I'm like, well, you're feeling awkward with the boundary you've actually already set. So boundaries are all about health. Boundaries are about health for relationships with other people, with ourselves, with our time, with our money, with our physical possessions. It's all about using and being able to use those things in ways that allows us to get the most out of life and the most best experience. So how has this worked in your own life? Well, I'm a human, so I have to set boundaries, right? Um, Being able to set boundaries with our jobs and our kids and our our partners, our friends, it enables it enables all of us, me included, to be able to be hopefully the a better version of myself. When I'm functioning in a place of good boundaries, I am taking responsibility for what I'm responsible for, and I'm not taking responsibility for things that I'm not responsible for. Okay, so give me an example about how that might work. About because sometimes I feel like everything is my responsibility, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And especially as my kids get older, and I'm trying to establish kind of boundaries with that. So, how does it work? Yeah. Do you, I'm curious. Um, do you have an example from, from your kids? <laughs> I think boundaries, the easiest yeah. way to learn them is to hear how other people are doing them. 
or not doing them. So I can totally have an example, but I'm curious if you have. One. Yeah, I mean, let's let's both share an example, right? Like, because I think that's how we really learn, right? And in, in in real life. So I appreciate you being generous and, and being able to do that. For me, <laughs> right now, what I'm experiencing is how do I reestablish or or negotiate boundaries for my adult children who are still in school who still need some financial assistance. Love this. Love this. Okay. So I like to talk about the ABCs of boundaries. A is the awareness. We've got to be aware that there's something we need to establish, some sort of structure around, around, and the awareness comes from feelings, feelings of Mm -hmm. confusion or pressure or just feeling kind of, I hate to use this therapist-y word, but unsafe sort of in the situation. Um, And so the B is behavior. What are you willing to do? Boundaries are about Mm. what we're willing to do. It is not about what we want someone else to do. That's a request. That's a real common confusion point we get with boundaries. People are like, well, I set a boundary with them. I told them, da, 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 da. And I'm like, that is not a boundary. That is a request. The boundary is what I will do if you don't meet Well, my that's request. a lot more simple too, right? Because then that's something that I can control. Like I can mm-hmm. help with this much money or I can help with this, uh, you know, on this particular day with for my time. Exactly. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And so, you know, with the kids and money and stuff, you would think about what am I willing to do? What can I not do? Um, what can I tolerate in this situation? And then the C is to clarify that, to let them know this is what it is. Many times when we set boundaries with people, the the what we're going to do part is kind of implied, which sometimes is fine for informal sorts of boundary settings. If we're talking about bigger issues, particularly money, we really want to set that out. So the boundary might be, I have this much money to contribute to your tuition this semester. I'm happy to help you try to brainstorm what to do with the rest of it. I'm happy to listen to your feelings about it. But after I've given that money, I don't have any more to give you. Your kid may have all of their own feelings about this. Well, they do. That's the thing. And each kid has their own feelings. Yes. So you think you get it right with one or you you know, you can anticipate it. And then it's going to be an entirely different conversation, obviously, because it's a different here's, person. Here's the thing. The success of a boundary isn't if the other person is happy with it. Oh, okay. How do you because, measure success then? So success is you figuring out what you feel comfortable with and letting them know, and then you sticking to what you'll do. The other person is allowed to have their own feelings about that. And that's their responsibility. We can have empathy. We can be kind and compassionate. Sometimes people think setting boundaries is about saying no or being mean. And I'm like, you can set a a firm, clear boundary in the kindest way with the most empathy for how someone feels about that. And they may give you feedback and be like, well, I think that that is not a great boundary. And I think you should do this or that. And you can say, I I will take that under consideration. And then you can decide, do I want to shift my boundary? Do I not want to shift my boundary? Boundaries can be very, very flexible. So an example 
this is one that we've been dealing with at our house. Okay. I have young adult children as well, and um, they are coming and going all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And one of the boundaries that we have said is you are welcome to live at home as long as you are actively engaged, and we will room board covered, as long as you are actively engaged in forward movement in your life, you're in college or you're you know, doing something you're, that's moving you towards bigger goals in life. Okay. And you contribute to the household by cooking one meal a week and helping with yard work so many hours a week and helping with chores, specific chore once a week. Right. It, those Clear. are, that's what, that's what we're willing to do. And then we're asking you to do these other things. But here's the boundary part. If you can't do those things, we will, you you can choose to leave and go live on your own again Mm -hmm. and do it however the heck you want. Or we're going to charge you for us doing your cleaning or doing your chores. Okay. And we have had to hold that boundary. So people were so mad they did not like it. Do you just give them a bill or you just text them like you owe me this much because you didn't do any chores this week? We did Venmo requests. Did you? <laughs> did they do it? Because again, that's a request. It is. They responded. They responded. They were mad. They didn't like it. They didn't think it was fair. Mm-hmm. But we had a good enough relationship that they did honor that request. If they hadn't honored the Venmo request, we would have had to set another boundary with them. Like, you have two days to respond to that Venmo request, and then we're doing whatever. There's a saying okay. in um, there's a saying in therapy that a boundary protested is often a sign that that boundary was really needed. Oh, okay. So if you do get that kind of tension and pushback, then you probably hit the right place. Yeah, it means there's something there to work on. They are either they are not being good with their boundaries. Boundaries are uh, exist on a, on a continuum. So when I said we're all setting them, we all we all are. And it's from ranging from really porous boundaries which are very loosey goosey. Mm-hmm. I'm I want you to be responsible for my stuff. Um I don't want to be responsible for my stuff all the way to really rigid which is I am not willing to be flexible. I am not willing to consider other people. Um, and and it, so it exists all the way along there. And in a healthy place, we ask for what we need and other people respond and we, we work together to kind of help all of us feel healthy and safe and be able to live our lives the best way that we can. Well, and that's such a great vision, right? Like this is what we want in our families and in our relationships. Healthy, happy, clear, understood, so mm-hmm. that we can have really deep, meaningful connections. But sometimes in that moment, we're like, at least for me too, I don't want to be mean. And it feels mean when I have to like hold fast on a boundary, whether it's about... um you know, a rule in the house or what I will and will not discuss or, or I, I don't know, sometimes, and, and 
especially in families, I think it can get tricky if we're going on beyond kids, like a parent-kid relationship, but we're talking about like with your spouse or with your in-laws or with your parents or with your, you know, uh, sister-in-laws, you have these kinds of different boundaries depending on the relationship and how close you are with that person. And they can create some of these feelings of being uncomfortable. So while we might really like agree with all the principles and go, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm establishing a new boundary because I feel uncomfortable in this thing. So I know I need to. And then we go to do it. And then we are afraid that we're going to come across as mean or demanding and be sort of kicked out of that relationship or or ignored. And so how, how do we push through those kinds of fears or even talk about it um, before we establish those boundaries? I think being aware of ourselves and having a good sense of our own identity, what's important to me and what's not important to me, will make it easier. Also, understanding how to regulate our own emotions. Can Mm -hmm. I take some deep breaths? Can I remind myself this is going to be okay? Can I remind myself if they have a fit, then that's a sign to me that either I'm being too rigid or porous and I need to shift, or is it a sign that they are being too rigid or porous. And this is a bigger relationship issue. And I'm not going to solve it with this one particular boundary setting experience, but I'm going to have to keep working at it. I find it really helpful to remind myself that I am not responsible for how they feel about my boundary. And and sometimes we can remind people of that in, in kind ways. I think we can set boundaries with soft, kind voices, honoring someone else's feelings about that. I know this might be hard for you to hear. I wish I could fix this for you. I wish it was possible for this to be different, but this is how, this is how it needs to be. Hmm. And, And I think we can set boundaries with that and even acknowledging this sounds really hard for you. You don't like this. Yeah. And kind of being with them through that. That's an interesting perspective. I have seen, unfortunately, so many different relationships where people just walk away from the relationship, right? Um, And just say, I'm I'm not even going to talk to this person or deal with it, whether it's a ghosting situation or a boundary that says, I'm not going to see you or talk to you for a long time. And that always seems to me to be so extreme and not what we want when we talk about having you know, good, strong, happy families. Yeah. So, so, you know, what, what is it that we can keep in mind when either we feel the tendency to do that? And again, in extreme cases of, you know, abuse or, you know, um, uh, horrible neglect and, and things like that, that may be a necessary, uh, right. you know, because it's about health. Because and if that's what health. you have to do to be healthy, there may be some people that, shouldn't be a part of your life. But in most relationships, when it gets to that extreme point, what I have known is there's been a lack of small boundary setting along the way. And then people just hit a point where they're like, "Bah, I don't know what to do about this. And yeah, I'm overwhelmed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just done. And so by, by not taking responsibility for our own actions and our emotions, or by taking responsibility for someone else's, 
in small ways, we actually are pro postponing and increasing the amount of pain and discomfort. So it's like, am I going to have a teeny little bit of uncomfortability here? I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to just not say anything. And it's going to bubble over at yeah. some point. I mean, wouldn't you agree in... in I don't know any family that I've ever, you know, talked to that doesn't have some sort of, you know, issue with this, right? Oh, everybody. Not talking to so-and-so anymore. If they, if she shows up at the party, then he's not coming and, you know, whatever it is in a family. And, and so your call to say, hey, establish those smaller boundaries ahead of time, I think could save so much of this kind of family drama Mm -hmm. and fragmentation. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think we can only deal with an issue when it's right in the moment. And that might be the worst time to try to deal with it. We can, we can go back. We can revisit issues with people and be like, Hey, do you remember when you asked me to do this and this? And I just said, yes. And after further reflection, I have realized that Going forward, you know, I won't be able to come to Sunday family dinner every single week or or whatever it is. We can revisit those issues and try and set them up for the future. I think one of the things that makes us really uncomfortable is we want people to agree with our boundaries. Yeah. And of course we do. It feels so nice when people agree with us. <laughs> yeah. it ma- yes, it makes us feel validated. And I think we've got to that, take that responsibility for, I would like everyone to agree with my boundary. And um, be like, well, that's not going to happen because we have different priorities in life. And it is okay if they're not upset, if they're upset about it. They can give me feedback. I can adjust it. I can shift it if need be. But if this is really what I need to have a healthy space for myself, then I'm, I'm going to have to be okay with them not being okay. joined by my good friend and conflict mediator, Emily Taylor, who has really talked and guided a lot of people through negotiating boundaries when conflict inevitably arises. You're the expert on this, and we've had a lot of chats as Mm -hmm. friends about this very thing. So I want to ask you about what your experience with boundaries is with your family. Wow. Lots of experience. So... (laughs) As you know, I have a lot of kids, but also I I think sometimes it's tricky. We just dis- define our family as like parents and kids, but there's a lot more to it, right? You have in-law relationships, you have your aunts and uncle. A- anyway, there's a lot of different roles that we can play. But in terms of boundaries, just a quick definition like no, on my please. part yes. is a, basically it's like a psychological limit or an expectation for how you want to participate in a relationship. So that could be a family boundary. It could be an individual boundary. It could be like within a couple. Like we talk about this stuff in public, this stuff we talk about in private, right? So it's a negotiated space about how you're going to, how you are going to behave and then how you're hoping 
the other person is going to be going to behave towards you. So there is some hope involved in there. Like, <laughs> yes. I know your behavior yes. is aligned with this, but if it's not, here's where I stand. Yeah, and there's negotiation. So say, for example, family boundary, even yesterday, I found myself <laughs> doing the dishes again. And I had set kind of a family, as a family, we had discussed, you know, who's going to do the dishes yeah. and when. It sounds, I mean, it's a super boring topic for me personally. Like, I don't really want to think about who's going to do the dishes. Yeah, we've got other things to talk about. Yes, but when I end up being the person that does the dishes because I care more probably than anyone else in the family that the dishes are put away— then it becomes an issue of negotiated space. Hey, we're all living together. This is something that's important to me. I'm hoping over time it's important to you too. Uh, Like yesterday, I actually kind of bent my boundary. My boundary is I'll usually harp a little bit and be like, hey, it's time for you to do dishes. Please do your dishes. But what's healthy is allowing sometimes to be flexible. I gauged the family feeling last night and was like, you know what? I have the energy to do this. I don't really want to push on this person right now. They seem like it would cause too much stress in the relationship. So I did the dishes. But if I do that every day and I take a kind of like I oblige every Mm -hmm. time, I'm going to blow. I know I will. So I like to call that obliger fatigue. So if I don't consistently back up my boundary, other people are probably going to know that they can push on it. And then they'll, I'll end up doing the work and maybe resenting that person or maybe getting crazy and push back really hard when they don't do what I want them to do. Well, nobody knows you better and more intimately than your family members, right? Exactly. They know how to push your buttons. (laughs) They know how far they can push it or not. Yes. And so that's an interesting question about how you like maintain. I know that the internal dialogue that I would have what would be in that moment, how do I maintain this boundary and say I'm serious about it? But also, they're super stressed out, and I don't want to yes. add to their burden. But if I do it, I'm sending a message. But if I don't do it, I'm also sending a message. Exactly. So I think there's that's where, okay, even just like setting a boundary to begin with, I think some people set them really fast, like in a relationship. They'll be like, you know what? I just don't text. If I don't like respond to you, great. But I think most people who have struggle with boundaries, we don't set them early enough and we're not consistent and then we're not willing to kind of flexibly change them as the relationship changes. We may kind of keep it a little bit weak as we go along. We're like, oh, well, I'll kind of test this out. And then when it becomes a problem, then we try to set a boundary. But so much time has passed that we don't feel comfortable setting a boundary. Like it feels awkward. They're like, why didn't you tell me in the beginning that you were going to be mad about this? Yeah, months ago. Yes. But if you were trying to kind of figure out the relationship or figure out what you really, oh, well, now I know what I care about. So give me an example about how that could work in practice. Okay, so this may sound silly, but when my husband and I were dating, this was, he had just come from a bad breakup. I had just come from a good breakup. (laughs) So it was like, it was a little funny because he was like concerned about certain things in the relationship. Like he brought up, like even talking about money, like it sounds silly, but even like in a dating relationship, once you get serious, it actually becomes more like, Sometimes I might pay as a woman. Sometimes he might pay as the guy, right? Instead of it just being like, hey, I invited you out. So it sounds weird, but as a boundary, he was like, 
just like he would he talked about it openly okay. as we got to, we were dating further along and then it was like oh like it would be normal now that we're like officially dating that sometimes I would help out I have talked to a I have a friend who actually that was an issue in their dating relationship they both have you know their divorce they have kids and then he told her well it, I think you should pay for something sometime and she was like, what? Like, I'm a single mother with five kids and, like, why Why should I be paying for this date? But he saw it as a symbol of, like, hey, you have to show that you're interested in this relationship. So what did that bring about? That was, like, a big conversation for them. Like, why are you asking me for this symbolic behavior that actually totally stresses me out? So, yes, feel the relationship Ooh. out. But also when those things come up, those may be kind of signals like, whoa, like that doesn't work for me. So but- how did they resolve that? I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. They, uh, they ultimately are not together. Oh, they broke up. Yeah, they broke up. But, but it was years. It was years wow. of like, but, but for her, it was like so um, offensive that he would put her in a position to show her generosity of spirit by paying for something when she was really struggling financially. But for him, he wanted, it was a sign that she was invested in the relationship. So you can see it from both sides. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, get to know someone. But if something becomes an issue, it's much easier to bring it up gently before it's really annoying or offensive or just like really downright rude. Mm -hmm. But Bringing it up in a way and saying, you know what, I've noticed that when we, you know, go out, there's kind of this hesitation before the bill comes. W- what's that about? Like, I, I'm I'm used to when I date men that they would pay for me instead of it being like a big fight on Sunday night after the weekend's happened and he paid grudgingly. And then you have to have this big conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Is this something that you have navigated well or maybe <laughs> <laughs> had um, some bumps in the road with your own family? Um, For sure. I, I think that I tend to be a people pleaser. So I want to be able to do everything that yeah. you expect of me. But as I've gotten older, and maybe this is the, <laughs> the middle-aged woman coming out of me, I'm like, I'm tired of doing this. Yeah. So... I, just, I think tired is a big theme <laughs> for, for moms. Yeah, there's the tired, tired. But sometimes you just get tired of sacrificing as a kind gesture and people don't reciprocate. Mm-hmm. They actually just expect you to keep giving. And if that it's not sustainable. So boundaries allow us to continue a relationship in a healthy way. Like instead of just someone like it's like a death eater, like coming to suck you and be like, oh, I can tell she's a pleaser. I had a boss. So, for example, I had a boss in a Midwestern big town um, at a nonprofit, and it was obvious she was used to getting her way with just about everything. I was new, testing the waters like we were talking about. I kind of went along with it. And then I would hear her bat, and I talked about this in my book, actually. I think I changed it to someone else besides myself. But now that we're on radio, right. I'll just say it. it was, you get it the was, real story It was here. me. <laughs> anyway, but she started bad-mouthing my, I had, there were two of us in the same work position and she would just criticize her, criticize her. And I kind of said something to stick up for this person. So a boundary was, hey, if I'm on a work team, we don't talk like this. But she was my boss. So I was a lot more gentle. 
And then I made this slight mistake. It honestly was a very small mistake. And so then she started criticizing me. And she she pushed on a boundary of how like I started to really struggle. I felt insecure. I mean, driving into work every day and I felt totally stressed. And after counseling with some good friends and my new husband at the time, I just, I decided that it wasn't worth my mental health to continue working for her. Wow. I I had the option to quit yeah. because financially we were in a situation where I could do that. But once I went in and just said, you know what, so-and-so, <laughs> Jan, whatever your name is, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm 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 going to be leaving. And then interestingly, you'll you can find the the surprise in my book of what happened to her. But there was a, a firm boundary of if I'm not even going to be able to even function, this isn't sustainable. So if I could think about those things earlier in the path, now when I go to get a job, I'm pretty honest about what expectations I have. So with my like my former boss that I just had here at BYU, I actually told him, I said, I do really well with lots of, with just sincere praise. And I like a lot of independence and I will work really hard for you. And it was interesting to watch him follow up with exactly what I had asked him for. And wow. he would just give me honest, sincere praise. And that's all I needed. And I functioned in a great way, but I asked for it. So a boundary mm-hmm. I had was I need some freedom but I also need some words of affirmation. That's my love language, main one. And it worked brilliantly. But I, I asked for it up front because I had experience with the opposite. How do you teach that to your kids to make clear boundaries? I think through direct experience. Uh, I'll talk to, say, you know, I have lots of teenagers in my house right now. And my expectation is that they're not on, say... I'm not a fan of pornography. That's not something I really (laughs) enjoy that they would be be watching. So we have an expectation of when you're on the computer, uh, what like we set structural things, but we also talk about it and revisit the the issue and uh, kind of like not under my roof. I'm not authoritarian because that doesn't work, but we, we talk through it and we come up with something that works for both parties. And I think that, through parenting, like everything the research says, if you have high structure, high warmth, and respect for your child's autonomy, those kids tend to do the best. With boundaries and with for sure. emotional... Yes. We get scared as mm. parents, um, so we will start c- trying to control everything, but it actually backfires. If you try to control and withdraw your love when your kids don't do what you want them to do, that kind of being a personal boundary it actually can create the exact opposite of what you want. So Ooh, resist. Yeah. Resist <laughs> the, the urge just to control. Yes. Even if we know better yes. and love them the most. Yes. And we're right. Ask for forgiveness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, I crossed your boundary. You are a person. You can make decisions. What do you do in a situation, because this inevitably happens, where you've set clear boundaries, people know what your boundaries are, but there's that one person who's like, yeah, but I'm the exception, because I'm your spouse, mom, sister, I mean, whatever, best friend, whatever it is. And and what do you do in that situation? I think first, self-reflect. The relationships are dynamic. They're going to change over time. So one boundary that you had in the past It may be the same. It may need to be revised. So always considering 
that a boundary, while you set it, maybe it's not functioning like you wanted it to. Boundaries, especially in close relationships, are set so that you have enough to sustain yourself, that you can love the other person, that you can experience intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. That's why, at least for me, that's why I set a boundary. It's a great motivator. So if it's not working and it is an intimate relationship, you probably need to have the conversation. But sometimes I need a little space and I have my little tribe of a few people that I talk to and say, hey, is this, like, am I off here? It's easy. Mm-hmm. And then what I what I always counsel people to do, and I, again, as a mediator, is consider what your main needs are. So if I'm setting a boundary, I consider what my needs are in that very intimate relationship you're implying. Uh-huh. And then I try to brainstorm. So instead of saying, like, getting counsel and my friend says, oh, you should just blah, blah, blah. Like, you should just uh, tell your husband, don't do that or whatever. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Janet. (laughs) Super helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. But usually we do much better if we take the time to reflect and be like, you know what? I really just need some private alone time to, like, go to a class or take a walk and not have anyone asking me for stuff. So if that's my need, there's a lot of different ways you can figure that out. So brainstorm, I would say, a little bit by yourself or with a trusted other person, and then you can go into a conversation and be prepared to actually talk through it and find out what their need is because you actually may have the same need, but you may have different ideas about how to solve it. Oh, sure. So be consistent, but also expect that your relationship is changing. It's always changing. So maybe a little revision is not bad, but don't just ignore it because you might blow someday, yeah. especially if you're like me. <laughs> or you I just keep it on. I'm fine. I'm not fine. <laughs> right? Or you, you start grumbling to yes. other people and you're like, I don't want to be this person that's always complaining. So, Well, you bring up a really good point because I can tell when I am the grumpiest, like, why do I hate everybody and everything? I think to myself, okay, so maybe I need to establish some boundaries because everyone else is fine. Everyone else is just like, it's just a regular Wednesday or whatever. And if I am feeling that way, then that means like I feel overworked or Mm underappreciated or taken advantage of or just too busy. And and I think, okay, so my, this is not how I want to live my life. I'm in control of that. I got to set some more boundaries. But um, I don't know why I have to learn it so dramatically. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't think you're the only one. But I think that feeling of like everybody else is fine, but I feel used. When you feel used, it's usually a sign that you're not sustaining or you don't have good enough boundaries. Okay, so you're caught in this moment where you're just like, oh, it happened again. Yes. And and you feel that. What's the best way to, to get out of it? I would say... Sometimes we like lash out, but that's not actually going to produce anything. We actually want to go into our, we are super creative beings. I just have this immense hope that people can find ways that will make their lives better. But you have to take the time. You have like, and that, that could be mentally thinking through things, emotionally, like getting it out, you know, with a trusted person, actually breathe, take a hike, like physically, like get out some energy And then put yourself in a position to make good decisions. So sometimes we try to set a boundary, and parents do this all the time, especially if young children Mm -hmm. misbehave in public. They feel like they have to draw this public stance, like, 
you must go back to the car and we're never coming to, Look at you know. what a good parent I am. Yeah, you're not going to Disneyland ever again because, mm-hmm. you know, you were crying in the line. Whatever it is, say, you know what? This looks like we need to we need to talk through this or I notice that I'm like a little feeling a little out of control. I need to do some me search. So my good friend Andy, he talked about like even I was having some like health issues and he's just said, maybe you should do some me search. Just take me some search. time. Mm, I like this. Yeah. Figure out what's going on with you. Don't make any rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Just see what is would benefit your life and slow down a little bit. Oftentimes we try to go faster through conflict when we actually need to go a little slower and observe. Do a little me search. Do a little search about the people around you too. And I guess that looks like what? Meditation, hiking, whatever. For me, I think taking a nap or just, I mean, <laughs> it sometimes could be. it could be, I'm like, are you hungry? Are you tired? Yeah. Lisa? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think of actually think of your basic needs. Like what, what is it? What do you need? I think of Maslow's hierarchy of yeah. needs. Like if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating and interestingly, little plug for a great new book called breath. Like if you are not like breathing deeply and like actually getting the oxygen you, or, you yeah. know, whatever you need you're going to be off a little bit. So just take time to figure out what it is. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. This week, our show was produced by Lisa Valentine Clark, Richie T. Stedman, and McKay Menden, with help from Tabby Freitas, with music and sound design by Katie Johnson and Sam Clausen. We would love to hear your feedback about the show. You can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook, or email us at thelisashow at byu.edu. Next week on the show, a special conversation with actor and comedian, my friend Kirby Hayborn. We don't want him to show up and the thunderclouds come up. But there's a part of me that was on the inside, like, remember all those times you were on top of me beating the crap out of me and you made the dog come over and lick my eyeball? Well, guess what? Your mother-in-law is coming. (laughs) That's next week on The Lisa Show. 